You're listening to HR Mavericks, a weekly podcast featuring leading small business HR professionals who share their experiences and insights to help you know how to turn your HR processes and employee experience into a strategic business advantage. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the next episode of HR Mavericks. I'm Garrett Justice, and today I'm joined by a very special guest, my friend Robin Schooling, who is the VP of Technology Consulting at CLO and also a co-host of the Drive-Thru HR podcast. Robin, how are you doing today? Garrett, I am doing fabulous. I'm, uh, you know, we're, we're just past the first day of summer here, so I'm sweating, but... I love it. That's good. It's a good, good to change, right? That's right. <laughs> we love it. Well, Robin, we are super excited to have you on the show today. I know you just bring with you a wealth of knowledge. You know, you're a self-proclaimed HR provocateur, and we're super excited to dive into this topic today. But, you know, for our listeners who might not know you yet, tell us a little bit more about your background and uh, what you do. Yeah, well, I um, I know, right? It's it's kind of fun when you can call yourself whatever you want sometimes. But um, I, you know, really, I'm I'm a lifelong um, HR and recruiting practitioner. And no matter no matter what my job may be, um, at the core, that's what I am. And um, I've worked in industries ranging from uh, banking to higher education um, to healthcare to casinos and and other gaming entities. Mm-hmm. Um, I've worked with companies, um, you know, with less than a hundred employees and companies with thousands and tens of thousands of employees. So I've I've really sort of run the gamut, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, as you mentioned, my my current role. Um, we were recently acquired, which was quite exciting. Um, my current role is as VP of technology consulting at, at CLO. Um, and we're a, a leader in global acquisition, um, uh, global talent acquisition. And in, in fact, the purpose of the company, which I just absolutely love and it speaks to me, is to illuminate talent wherever it's found. Mm-hmm. And so that focus really on 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 talent acquisition, um, but all the way through then retention and, and what's the experience we create for people. Um, and so the company works, um, in RPO, uh, talent brand and digital, um, and then my area of the business, um, technology consulting. And it's, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a great sort of focus that we have very future forward, um, looking at innovation and inventing and originating and things like that. So, um, quite exciting. Um, yeah. I'm also a, a longtime HR blogger and, um, as you mentioned, um, co-host of drive through HR, uh, running since 2010, one of the longest running HR awesome. podcasts, uh, before we even called it a podcast. Yeah. Right? Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, so I'm not, strictly embedded in kind of, you know, day-to-day HR um, as I was not that long ago, but still keep my hand in and, and get to talk to um, clients and, and, and meet and greet and talk to people and, yeah. and discuss HR um, with all sorts of folks, which is really my, my favorite part yeah. of anything anyway. 
That's so great. And we're super excited to have you on the show. Like I said, I know you bring this wealth of HR experience and knowledge with you. And so we're super excited to tap into that. Before we kind of jump into our topic today, though, one of the questions I really like to ask a lot of our guests is what drew you to the field of HR? And and part two of that question is what's really kept you in the field of HR? Um, I am, I'm one of those people who fell into it accidentally once upon a time, um, as quite a lot of us do. Uh, I think I, I started, um, many years ago in a staff, I walked into a staffing agency and, um, you know, was kind of fresh out of school, had really not a whole lot of work experience and went to the staffing agency to see if they could help place me in a position. And I ended up being hired by the agency. And so started working at the agency and that's how I got into recruiting that went into a corporate HR department um, and started in corporate recruiting and then just went off and into HR generalist roles and HR director VP roles ultimately as time went on. Um, And I've never left. I, I, I have found it to be, well, I've had my moments where I thought about leaving. Um, I I just find, especially when I look back at how HR as a profession has progressed, mm-hmm. still a lot of work to be done. Um, but you know, we are the engine that, when we're running efficiently, effectively, and we are on all cylinders, we are just integral to the success of the business because it, it's the people that make the business successful. Yeah. And so, when we find a way to connect what we do and connect our individual employees to the goals and um, aspirations of our organization, Um, we're we're driving that success. Um, Even with the most mundane things we do, um, the tasks that we do, we can find a way um, to make that exciting and integral to the business and the success of the business. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm so glad you brought that up because I think it's it's easy sometimes, especially in a small business, to lose sight of that yeah. role that, again, that people are, especially in today's changing world, people are the reasons why businesses win, why they can build healthy, enduring businesses. And we can get that people stuff right and really focus on that as a strategic advantage and a strategy, strategic part of your business. That's yeah. that's when you're successful. It's like you said. It's it's sometimes it's hard. Uh, well, it's easy to forget that, and you know, in the right. mundane day to day. But when you can zoom right. out and look at that and remember that, focus on that. Whether you're a business leader or a you know small business HR person or someone else, that's really the goal of all of it. So I'm so glad you brought that up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So good. Well, <clears throat> Robin, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm losing my voice a little bit here, but. Um, <laughs> you throughout this topic today that I'm super excited for. Um, it's a, it's a non-traditional topic and that's what I love about it. It's unique. And, um, I think it is, you know, a hundred percent you, uh, wrapped up in this topic today. So you kind of threw out this topic of, okay, we have the Royal family and we have Megan Markle or Megan, the Duchess of Sussex. Was that, was that her former title or is, does she still retain that title? That is her current title. She is still the Duchess of Sussex. Okay, so we're going to talk today about how Meghan Markle and, you know, the royal family reminds you of working in HR. Is that right? That's right. I love it. That's right. 
So you are a huge royal family fan. Tell us a little bit more about that before we jump into this topic in more detail. Yeah, you know, um, I, I admit it. Um, I'm I'm an unabashed lover of all things royal family, um, <laughs> British royal family especially. Um, I've, I've read lots and lots of books over the years and watched documentaries and movies and, um, you know, TV shows about, you know, the Tudors and Queen Elizabeth I, and Queen Victoria, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm old enough that um, I watched Charles and Di's wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, I got up at 2 a.m. or whatever it was to watch Will and Kate and naturally uh, watched uh, Harry and Meghan get married. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's this, it's this uniquely American thing that my friends in, um, you know, in the UK don't quite get sometimes. Um, but it, it's really strange that in America, while we don't want to live in a, in a monarchy necessarily, um, but, you know, there are some of us who, um, who love, you know, sort of the fairy tale aspect of it. It's, sure. it's like this, this real, it's history, Mm-hmm. which is fascinating to me, but it's also this sort of real life Disney movie, yeah. um, you know, rolled up, there's carriages and tiaras and, and, you know, curtsying and things like that. And, you know, there's, there's these sort of sexist overtones to it that make me cringe. Mm-hmm. And there's, um, you know, these remnants of colonialism that, that make my skin crawl. Um, but, you know, I still, I get sucked in. Um, there's something about the, the pomp and, and the, the historical continuity yeah. that, that get to me. And, uh, you can bet I consumed all that I could around the Royal Jubilee, uh, a few weeks ago as well. Yeah. I love it. I think, I think you're not alone. There's so many of us who are in that same boat, you know, and I think you're absolutely right. It's that fairy tale aspect of it. I mean, I have, I have two young daughters who dread, love playing dress up every day and pretending that they're princesses. And, and, and so I get it, yeah. you know, that's what they, that's, you know, it's, it's, it's a real life fairy tale there. So what I'm, what I'm really curious about is you are saying that, you know, Megan, the Duchess of Sussex can help us learn lessons about mm-hmm. working in HR. So that's what I'm really curious about. So let's dive into that. Yes. Tell us a little bit more about yes. that. Well, you know, first of all, I strongly, strongly believe that one of our uh, key responsibilities as HR professionals is to continuously scan the environment. And so I always, I always kind of revert back to the to the pest model. Sometimes pestle, but pest is a shorter version. You know, so so we have an obligation. Um, I I believe when we work in HR to be plugged in continuously to what's happening um, in politics, in the economy, in, you know, social aspects of the world, technology. Um, And, you know, it's never enough for us to just, you know, merely pay attention to, oh, here's this new HR legislation coming down the road. Um, But we also have to pay attention and, and stay on top of, you know, local, national, global politics, emerging technology. And, and part of that, environment that we need to look at uh, that we often forget or we don't think about how it relates back to what we do is to pay attention to sort of social uh, movements, um, things that are happening in pop culture, yeah. quite frankly. And, and it's where we see trends that will um, find their way into the world of work. 
and will find their way into our our particular workplaces. And and it it's paying attention to things that happen with you know uh, you know the Kardashians or Beyonce or yeah. whatever. Um, and Meghan Markle is this perfect sort of petri dish um, for us to look at for for social and cultural activities. And 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 when I think about the things that we can learn from her. Um, there are multiple ones. I think first, um, she signed up for a hard job. Um, everyone thinks it's sexy and glamorous and, you know, there's wealth and there's castles and there's Frogmore Cottage and whatever. Yeah. Um, but it is a job mm-hmm. and it is a hard, always on camera job. Mm-hmm. And she's been treated very differently uh, when you go down the rabbit holes that I've gone down, um, she's been treated very differently in her time with the royal family um, from how Kate, the Duchess of Cambridge, has been treated. Um, and all you have to kind of do if you want to go down those rabbit holes is look at, especially over time, uh, the headlines and the treatment, especially in the British tabloids, um, of, of how things, for example, their pregnancies were treated very differently. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's sort of, okay, she's part of it, but she's not. It's kind of like when we work in HR, well, we're part of the organization, but sometimes we're treated a little bit differently, even though we're within the organization. Um, Another aspect that I think reflects back into HR is the realization that she has undoubtedly suffered from outright racism and um and misogyny and you know again i've I've kind of gone to a lot of these rabbit holes but she has been um called some just you know absurdly vile things merely for existing yeah and it, it that you know sadly correlates very much to the work that we do in HR. You know we live in a in a world and and in the U.S. in a country that um, it, you know we're subjected to um, folks that are our fellow citizens. You know where racist ideologies and actions um, surround us yeah. every day. And it's a reality, mm-hmm. and it's incumbent upon us as HR professionals especially those of us who are white HR professionals and aren't living that, um, to educate ourselves, um, to confront some truths and, and to have those uncomfortable and challenging conversations. Um, and, and we need to confront those sort of ugly aspects of, of our history and of racism head on yeah. with our employees or our managers or our leaders. And, and we need to bring our knowledge and our understanding and, and I'm not talking from a compliance um, standpoint, because that's kind of the easy, easy way out. Mm-hmm. But from a place of, of history and humanity and, and, and personal integrity. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I think the really the final lesson from Megan, it's lots of lessons. Um, <laughs> I think one of the final lessons is um, is maintaining one's professionalism, but still being uniquely human um, and, and, and fighting the power um, and calling attention to things that are wrong or things that need to be changed. Um, and also living by one's own personal values mm-hmm. and striving to do good, even when others are loath to call what you do good. Yeah. 
So, so good. I, I'm, I, I'm getting it. I'm seeing the vision here of how these connect for sure. And I think you're absolutely right. I, I love that you kind of started by framing that by saying, you know, especially in HR, we need to be mindful of what's happening in the world and in mm-hmm. pop culture. I think that's true, mm-hmm. um, you know, at any company, at any size, that if you are in HR, you need to be mindful of that because the world yeah. is constantly changing. There's a lot of lessons that you can learn from that you know, uh, pop culture, that public sphere, what's happening in the world that will eventually bleed into, you know, the workplace. And so I, yeah. I love the, those lessons that you shared there. And I'm, I'm going to take a stab here, Robin, you tell me how off I am, but I'm going to try and add one more in there. Okay. I kind of thought of a lesson from, you know, Megan and, and Harry also, you, you kind of started by talking about how she had signed up for a hard job. Right. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is, you know, I, I'm I'm not the expert that you are on all of this. Right. But from my perspective, you know, eventually that job became too much. And the quote unquote employee experience for um, them maybe wasn't there being part of the royal family. Mm-hmm. So they kind of made a hard mm-hmm. decision to um, remove themselves to some extent mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. that hard job. Because the organization of the royal family didn't focus enough on improving that employee experience. And it's so it's so similar to what we're seeing today with the yes. quote unquote great resignation and everything else. Whether it's you you don't treat your HR people with enough uh, respect and don't see HR as a strategic function, but more of an administrative function. Or whether it's for your employees, if you don't create the experience that they want and need uh, in their work environment, ultimately, they're going to leave, even if at the beginning they thought it was this like fairy tale story, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think you're spot on with that assessment. And, and, and here's a little tidbit that really drives that home as well. Um, the um, the firm, of course, that's what they, the royal family internally call call see themselves as a business. They call mm-hmm. themselves the firm, um, and it is it is a business. It's huge, obviously, right? Um, so Buckingham Palace um, uh, and or the you know greater royal family, um, they have an HR department mm-hmm. because of course they have employees, and so it 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 came out several you know years ago. I can't remember over the pandemic timing of things um, that um, when, when Megan first arrived there might've been pre-wedding or shortly after the wedding um, she was having some challenges mm-hmm. um, with uh, co-workers. Let's, let's say that's what it was. Um, and she went to the internal, uh, according to her and Harry, she went to the internal HR department um, and did not get the support that um, from sort of a mental health, sort of a well-being standpoint that that they felt she should have received from that HR department. And so uh, it's sort of been under the radar. And um, now this week, over the last week or so, there's all these headlines in the tabloids kind of resurfacing it and, um, you know, trying to. Uh, in some respects, downplay it again. Again, I think uh, I'm a Megan. I'm a Megan and Harry fan, so I can say that. Um, but it's you know, it is a, it is a job with an actual HR department. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So interesting. So I want to go back to something that you said previously, and you kind of talked a little bit about 
you know, these, these strong non fans that, that uh, Megan and Harry have had, you know, in, in the kind of public sphere. And um, you, you, you kind of hinted at this a little bit, but you think that there are probably some takeaways from this, Mm -hmm. especially if you work in HR too, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. um, You know, again, absolutely. Because, um, you know, here's the reality. um, And that is that most people, hate to say this, you know, when we're, when we know we're HR mavericks, but um, most people don't like HR. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't, I mean, and, and we know it for whatever reason, um, you know, the average employees sometimes wonder exactly what we do all day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they think we're making decisions and, and issuing edicts, um, you know, uh, at a whim or something. Mm-hmm. They don't understand um, how the sausage is made, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes, you know, business owners and CEOs and, and managers, um, you know, see us as an as an obstacle, yeah. um, as opposed to a partner. And you know, they'd rather walk across broken glass than than come down into our you know sacred HR department. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's so there's these internal naysayers that we run into in our companies, um, much like Megan and Harry have had to battle with um, the palace insiders and, mm-hmm. and even her own family for heaven's sakes. Yeah. Um, and then there are also the external folks who are not fans of HR um, or our particular delivery of HR. Um, you know, all you have to do is check a, you know, Reddit message boards or, or go to Google and write, you know, type in search HR socks or something and, and you'll see all kinds of things. And, you know, the lesson here is that um, yes, there will always be haters. Mm-hmm. Um, so all we can do um, as, as HR practitioners, as HR leaders is do our best work mm-hmm. um, and be our best selves. Love it. Yeah, that's perfect. I think you're absolutely right. Um, and you know, it is something that, um, HR is seen as, you know, the red tape people and maybe not in the best light at many organizations. It is something that is true and that we're trying to actively change, right. You know, without going yeah. on a, a rabbit hole too far, why do, I want to dive into that just a little bit deeper. Why, why do you think that is, what is it about HR that, um, brings that, like perspective from either internal or external critics? I think, you know, I think there are, there are numerous sort of factors and variables that go into that. And sometimes it's as simple as what someone has previously experienced. Um, We hire someone into our organization um, that is coming from another entity where HR was, you know, the, the rules police and the, yeah. the stop gap and, and, and seen and truly maybe perhaps was um, a group or a function that was seen as ineffective, inefficient, payroll was always wrong, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so we, we have somebody new join our organization and we have to overcome what they've experienced before. Right. And, and so that, I think, is a lot of what we run into. And that, unfortunately, keeps sort of this perpetual cycle going. 
uh, independent of the bad press that sometimes HR may get, uh, again, you know, some boneheaded move that, you know, giant corporation over here did handling a harassment case or whatever, right? That makes news. So we're painted with that brush as well. But I think as individual HR leaders or practitioners in our organizations, the best we can do is is focus on creating a great HR function, an HR experience um, that that takes care of the business mm-hmm. and all those things we have to do, right? Because um, we're never going to get away from there's a stuff people are never going to know what we're doing or why right. we're doing it, but right. we know, right? Oh, it's compliance. It's ACA, whatever. Yeah. Um, but then simultaneously, never lose sight of that. We are influencing how people think about HR overall. Yeah. And, and those little moments that matter in, in Bob, in accounting's, you know, five-year tenure with us, those little moments that matter. If Bob can leave my company and go somewhere else and say, man, I had a great HR experience at, you know, ABC insurance company. Um, I've I've changed one person's outlook of what HR can look like. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I love how you just described that. To me, what it really comes down to is, man, it's, it's a hard challenge for HR people to change perceptions internally um, and externally yeah. a lot of times. Yeah. It's easier to default to HR just being an administrative function rather than a strategic yes. function. It's yes. easier to focus most the majority of your time just on compliance instead of you know building culture and employee, yeah. improving employee experience. And when others maybe come with that perception that that's all that HR does, it's easier to default to that. And I think right. what you're saying is, you know, to change that perception, you can't lose sight of, yeah, there is some compliance aspect that's inherent in HR, but the bigger picture, again, is building a workplace where people can thrive, right? Yes. And there's so many other things involved in that besides just compliance, because when you can build you know, a workplace where people can thrive, that's where the business ultimately thrives, right? Exactly. Where people and the business thrive together. And that's ultimately the goal of, you know, in my opinion, at least of HR. And so it's a hard challenge, but I, I completely agree. That's mm-hmm. the only way that you're going to change perception of business leaders to be seen as a strategic partner, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And of employees to know that, you know, HR has your back and they're helping to make a better workplace for you as a, as an employee, right? Absolutely. So good. Um, So good. So, uh, you know, Robin, you started this off talking just a little bit more about um, this fairy tale and why we're all intrigued by the Royal family with this fairy tale. And so to kind of bring this home, do you think that there can be this fairy tale ending for Megan and also for, you know, HR people. I do. And, and, you know, maybe, maybe I'm a hopeless romantic. I don't know. I don't know. I'm a hopeless romantic and an optimist. Um, um, but abs- I do, I truly do. I think, um, you know, much as what I see Megan doing, um, when we work in HR, we can do similar things. And that is to, um, 
live by your personal code of values. Um, we, we know what drives her um, for what, what we've seen, right? She's driven by social justice issues and, and um, uh, women's issues. And, you know, she's very consistent in, in sort of this footprint that she's left throughout her life. So it's living by your personal sort of code of values. Um, it's delivering the best HR service um, that you can for your organization. Whatever world you're living in, do your best work. Um, be true to yourself, do your best work. Um, it's, it's being a shining example of what great, great HR can look like, um, as we were really just talking about, and sort of creating that new vision mm-hmm. of what, what HR can be. And, and part of that, um, quite often, um, requires that we reinvent what the role of HR means much as Megan has redefined what it means to be a duchess. Yeah. It's, it's reinvention. It's rethinking. Um, and so we in HR um, may not have this huge global platform or this sphere of influence that the Duchess of Sussex has, but we, we do have opportunities. We do have a sphere of influence and we have the opportunity to change the world as well or mm-hmm. our quarter of it. Um, and I, I think that that's, there's the fairy tale update. We can do that. We can affect change. I totally agree. If there's anyone in an organization that can affect more organizational change, it's probably HR, right? That, probably yeah. more than anyone else in an organization is what I'm trying to say. And I, and I, I really like that you talked about how, you know, Megan has her, um, her values, her things that she stands for, that she feels are important. And I think that it's really important for, you know, all employees, but especially HR to understand what value they bring and what they stand for and what's important to them. And then to bring that to the organizations that they're working in and help align their values with the organization's values and hopefully change perceptions. And ultimately, if the organization is not ready to do that and there's misalignment, then ultimately finding an organization that has similar values to that HR person. And that's where they're going to impact the most yes. change and have yes. the biggest impact. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. Good. Well, Robin, this has been such a great conversation. I love, I love the creative you know, topic here. And I totally think that there are some, some great takeaways from this. As we kind of wrap up here, I'm curious if you wouldn't mind summarizing for some of our listeners, just a couple of the takeaways you think uh, were brought up in this conversation today about what can HR take away and learn from, you know, the Royal family and Meghan Markle specifically. Yeah, I think it's, um, uh, I, I think some of the key takeaways are, um, Pay attention to some of this stuff, and it may seem fluffy, and the royal family may not be your thing, um, but it's representative of what I think drives um, great great HR, and that is, uh, again, doing those environmental scans, staying aware of what is happening out in the world, Mm -hmm. um, in another state, in another country, um, 
you know, global changes, whatever. And, and understanding how those, uh, how those, those things or those trends um, impact you and your organization and your employees, even though you may not think about it. So I think that's, that's probably a key takeaway. We, um, we must, we must read and consume and be aware of things beyond okay, this new, you know, uh, FMLA change is coming mm-hmm. or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's our responsibility for us in HR is, is to do that. Um, I think the other key takeaway is um, is don't let the, um, and it's hard because we're humans, but don't let, don't let the haters get you down. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, we, we have a tough job just as, Megan has um, or had, um, and you know it takes it takes some 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 thick skin, and it takes the ability to sort of recenter yourself and think about what am I here to accomplish? What do I believe? What do I stand for? What do I want to accomplish? And where and to your point, you know, where's the best place for me to do that? Is it within, in this case, within the royal family? Or is it by stepping away? Or is it within this organization? Or is it stepping away? I still want to do HR. I love HR. Am I affecting the change that I want to? Yeah. And if not, I may need to step away. Awesome. So good. Robin, thank you again so much for taking the time to to join this podcast today and share your thoughts with us. As we kind of wrap up here, one of the questions I really like to ask all of our guests is just what's one recommendation, one tip that you think our listeners should do this week to help improve their HR or people functions at their organizations? Um, I'm going to build off our conversation <laughs> with my tip. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is less a, this is not a HR task or an operational or even a department functional effect in this thing. Um, it's, it's much more inward and, 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 and personal looking a little exercise. I always, um, I always promote to, to HR professionals and, and colleagues that they should create a personal HR manifesto. Mm. Um, and, and we think of manifesto sometimes as a bad word because of how we see it affiliated with mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, but, but it's really a very positive and powerful word because it, uh, uh, creating, a manifesto, a personal manifesto, outlines the beliefs um, that you hold. It's it's this public declaration, maybe public. You might keep it private, but it can be a public de- declaration of um, of intentions and motives and views. It, it it outlines how you operate as a human being, but also as a as a person working in HR, and it helps create the future. So it's not. It's not necessarily strategy, but having a manifesto will help inform your strategy, will help inform if you come in as an HR leader, um, a personal manifesto will guide how you operate and will guide how you create your department mission statement, for example. It's different, but because it's very personal. Um, And so it's thinking about what are your operating principles, what are your beliefs, um, and, and what do you want to change? Uh, either within the HR profession or or in the world, if you think big. Um, and so I I have a, my manifesto um, <laughs> created a number of years ago, but I tweak it 
you know, every now and again and, and gently tweak it over, over time. And, you know, I kind of have these five guiding principles um, that have long, long um, guided how I've led my HR teams um, and how I've led within an organization. And so that's my, um, that's my tip. Think about creating a personal manifesto. And if anyone wants to see mine or says, what in the world do you mean? uh, They can reach out and I'm more than happy to share. I love it. I I don't even work in HR, but I'm going to go do that this week too. I I think it's a great, great idea. So, well, last question then, Robin, if there are people who want to get in contact with you, they have follow-up questions on anything we talked about today, what's the best way for them to do that? It is um, um, very easy, quite frankly, um, to just um, Google me and you can find me. I'm all over the place um, online. Mm -hmm. Uh, Certainly LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, probably the two easiest, quickest reach outs. Um, You can find me on my blog, robinschooling.com and connect with me through there as well. Awesome. Well, Robin, thank you again so much for taking the time to share some of your thoughts with us today. Hope you have a great rest of the day and you can stay cool in that warm weather. Yes. Thank you, Garrett. Today, enduring companies know that their people are their most important assets and they invest in helping them excel. But often, small businesses with limited HR resources struggle to manage their people, payroll, and processes efficiently and create an environment where frontline, deskless employees thrive. That's why we created Eddie. Eddie is the all-in-one HR suite built for local businesses that streamlines tedious HR processes and improves the employee experience for frontline workers. With Eddie, you can hire, manage, pay, and engage employees with one easy-to-use software. No headache required. You've already done the hard part by creating a great business. Now let us help you take it to the next level. Visit eddie.com today to request a demo.